News, weather, traffic, money, politics, big interviews, and bold opinions. It's what's happening right now. This is Mornings with Simi. Well, Canada's jobs numbers are out this morning, and it was a big month for gains, while the unemployment rate, though, held steady because more people are looking for work, too. The watchwords in Ottawa we've heard over the last 24 hours are fiscal restraint, because we received an update on the finances of the country as well. Now, to talk about all of these issues, we're joined now by Krista Freeland, the Deputy Prime Minister and the Minister of Finance. Thank you so much for joining us. I am so glad to be with you, and thank you for starting with the jobs numbers. I have a big smile on my face right now, because what those numbers show is there are 513,000 more Canadians working today than before covid We have recovered 117% of the jobs lost since the peak of the pandemic. So I want to say, good job, Team Canada. This is really important for every single person who has a good job. And at a time of global economic uncertainty, the strong Canadian jobs market is just so important for Canadian people. I am so happy and so grateful. Let's talk a bit about the fiscal update that came yesterday from you in Ottawa. Now, we heard about, you know, fiscal restraint. How high of a priority is that? Because there is still some new spending in this as well. A hundred percent. And, you know, what I would say is I took what I think of as a very Canadian approach our government did, trying to find a balance between compassion, between supporting the Canadians who need support right now on one hand, and between being responsible and keeping our fire powder dry, on the other hand. So the compassion is things like the GST credit, which we've doubled for six months. And the really good news is those checks are arriving in the mail today or directly into your bank account. That's 11 million Canadian households are going to get that support. For a family, it's nearly $500. Now, I know that you know prices at the grocery store at the gas pump are higher that $500 isn't going to cover everything but it's going to make a real difference to the Canadians who need it the most and I'm really glad those checks are starting okay. to arrive today can I ask you as well but can you see if uh, foresee a time perhaps that the belt would need to be tightened even further though um well you know actually what we showed yesterday which is a really good thing is just a sustainable fiscal path that the country has. We showed deficits in the debt-to-GDP ratio steadily falling over the next five years. That's what you want to see. That shows that the public finances are in good order. And the other thing that we did, which is really important, is invest in the future. I know people in BC and across the country understand the importance of climate action. They understand the importance of investing in the green transition. We did some really meaningful things there yesterday in the fall economic statement, creating a new hydrogen tax credit, creating a new clean technology tax credit. This is about spending a little bit of money now to have great jobs in the future. And by the way, to speed up the green transition in Canada. Right, but no balanced budget for what, five years, six years? Well, actually, this is the first time our government has shown a fiscal track that does show the budget getting into balance. That's significant, and it's a real sign of a fiscally responsible approach. 
But I do also want to be clear. We showed as well, you know, our, that's our kind of baseline main scenario based on the forecasts of private sector economists. We also do know there's a lot of uncertainty in the global economy, and we showed as well a downside scenario if things get a little bit worse in the world. What I would like people to take away from that downside scenario is even if it gets a little tougher out there, Canada is better positioned than any country in the world to get through it. The jobs numbers show that. And on a final note here, can I just ask you, Deputy Prime Minister, what what do you want to say to Canadians who are struggling to financially make ends meet right now? As we heard from Statistics Canada, there is a rising number of Canadians who are struggling with that today. What do you say to them? Well, I want to say to them, look, help is arriving today. Those GST checks are arriving in your mailbox or in your bank account today. And we have some additional support. That $500 top-up for people struggling with the rent, that is coming. Dental care for kids under 12, that is coming. And we announced yesterday that we're going to eliminate interest on federal student and apprentice loans. And we are going to start paying in advance the Canada Workers' Benefit. That's up to $2,400 for really hardworking poorly paid Canadian families. And we're not going to make you wait for a whole year to get it. You're going to get it while you're working. All right. Well, thank you for your time this morning. Okay. Really good to talk to you. That's Krista Freeland, Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Finance, talking not only about the fiscal update that she brought in in Ottawa yesterday, but also about the jobs numbers for Canada just out this morning from Statistics Canada for the month of October, uh, showing that Canada gained 10 times the number of jobs that economists had been expecting. uh, And yet, The unemployment rate stays about the same because there were more people also looking for work. This is Mornings with Simi. It was just about a year ago that the Fraser Valley and parts of our province were just hit with weeks of historic flooding. And there were some serious conversations that were happening at that time about how to make sure this did not happen again. Well, there has been some planning going on, but there are a lot of people out there who are not happy with the pace of that planning. So we're going to talk more about that right now. Sarah Sash joins us, Vice Chair of the BC Dairy Association and also a dairy farmer in Rosedale. Sarah, thanks for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. First of all, how's the dairy farm going? (laughs) I think the dairy farming is uh, going reasonably well now. um, We're back to um, performing in the way that we did for the most part in the areas that were flooded and in other parts of the province. But we've had a challenging year with weather. It's just been nonstop. We were soaking wet and then uh, way too dry. So now we're returning to soaking wet. Oh, boy. Okay. And how much of a toll does that take on the on the dairy cows? Well, I think the cows are uh, probably not noticing as much as the farmers, to be honest. We spend a lot of time taking a lot of care of them, but the the changing weather constantly has uh, definitely taken a toll on farmers the past year, and it's just been a a bit of a struggle, um, but we all love what we do, so we're sticking with it. Okay, well, that's good. How has the you know recovery process gone? I mean, it's almost a year now. There was so much talk about making sure that never happened again, but what are the pl- what's the planning actually like? 
Well, on the, at the farm level, we've been able to recover. Uh, you know, most businesses have worked their way back, replacing their cattle, repairing their barns, um, getting their businesses back in order. But uh, we definitely noticed that weather is continuing to be a challenge and uh, that we need to be prepared for future weather events of this scale. So um, in the city of Abbotsford, for example, they have done temporary repairs to the diking system there, but they've put forward a plan to make more permanent repairs. And uh, we would really like to see that plan be funded and those plans go ahead because uh, it's definitely a concern and we want to be protected and to be able to continue to produce food for everyone in the province. Yeah. What do you think then of the pace of how this is going at the different levels of government? I think that there's a lot of steps, obviously, that go into it. Um, The Senate's just released a report, which we appreciate them taking the time to do, and we we agree with many of the recommendations of that, um, which include that it will be a collaborative effort between provincial and federal governments, and it's not going to be easy. So I think that the plan that Abbotsford has put forward, the first step of it includes a number of things, um, hardening pump stations, adding another pump station, and uh, permanent repairs to the dike rather than temporary ones. And uh, we'd like to see that plan funded, which it isn't right now, and then uh, continue forward with the collaboration and consultation that's necessary to keep this thing rolling Um, because it's a system-wide set of repairs that's going to need to be made to protect uh, our industry in the area. Yeah, How worried are you that this could happen again and and soon, sooner than these plans can be put in place? (laughs) I think that we, it's going to be an ongoing thing that we need to be protecting ourselves from this stuff. The Senate report does mention that, that there need to be year-round resources dedicated to this. And I have to agree with that as a producer, that uh, being prepared is is very important. And knowing that the resources are there and the plans are there are important. And getting the infrastructure in place is really the top thing. And that is going to take years and not days. So the sooner that we can start doing that and fund a step that we have uh, planned now, the sooner we can continue to look to funding things that are more significant and continue to grow the infrastructure that we'll need to protect food supply in the Fraser Valley and throughout the province. Like, what do you think their priority list should be? Like when you look around and after what you've learned in the past year, what do you think immediately needs to be done? Well, I think at the farm level, our producers have done a lot to try to prepare themselves to be more, you know, as individual businesses to be more ready. Um, But there's some things that we really can't do. We've had some support from the federal or the provincial government, sorry, to uh, have some extreme weather preparedness programs they've offered in the province that have helped producers um, to prepare doing, you know, on farm level things. But when it comes to preventing another flood, that's really something that's going to take investment from a number of levels of government and, uh, years of time to build that infrastructure so just keeping this conversation alive and uh, advancing this issue and maintaining this as a priority among the the multitude of other priorities that exist right now um, is really important to farmers yeah is that the key then keeping the conversation alive because we do tend to be overall in society kind of out of sight out of mind don't we it kind of does happen. And to be honest, like we were just way too dry in the summer. So we were way too wet last fall. We were way too dry in the summer. We're back to way too wet now. And uh, I think it's just a reality that we're going to be dealing with more climate things and we need to be more resilient. So we need to put focus on that. 
We don't know where our food's going to come from in the future. And right now we're able to produce it here in Canada. So um, on the dairy side, I think that's something that's really worth protecting and ensuring that it's not just dairy that's in this area that flooded in the Sumas Prairie. There's all kinds of poultry and hogs and greenhouse crops and field crops, vegetables. It's a really productive area of the province that can feed a lot of people. And it should be on the minds of anybody who eats to make sure that we protect these areas and that we're keeping that as an important part of growing our society into the future. Yeah, Sarah, do you get a little nervous now when you hear the words atmospheric river? How could you not? Yeah. (laughs) I think there's so much trauma there for so many people. And uh, the personal side of it has been really challenging to navigate and, uh, yeah, we wish it wasn't a term that was the kind of part of the new terminology for weather. But I think uh, as as they get announced, we'll become more used to them, I guess. We hope, uh, right? right now, there's no warnings of flooding. The stream flows are quite low. So, I mean, theoretically, it's pouring rain right now and we shouldn't be afraid. But it's really hard not to feel that way. Yeah, it's a little, you probably still have PTSD, actually. <laughs> I expect a lot of the people in the flooded area absolutely do. All right. Well, listen, best of luck and thanks for talking to us about it this morning. No, thanks for having me. This is Mornings with Simi. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that I'm getting more calls than ever about scams, whether it's to my house, to my phone. I'm getting more scams via text message now than I have ever gotten before. And of course, this is when inflation is already at its peak. Interest rates are on the rise. We are all focused on just making sure that we can pay for the necessities in our lives. And scammers are trying even harder to take some of that you know, hard-earned money from us. So how do we protect ourselves? Well, the Better Business Bureau has actually launched the latest version of the BBB Scam Tracker. Let's talk more about it. Joining us now is Simone Lees, who's the BBB president. Good morning, Simone. Good morning. Now, is that my imagination or are there more scams going on than ever? Oh, I don't think it's your imagination. And and unfortunately, we're also hearing more people lose money to scams. And so, you know, anything that we can do to sort of help get the message out and help educate people uh, about how to avoid being taken advantage of, you know, really, that's the goal. Okay, so how does this scam tracker work? Scam tracker is an online tool that allows you to go in and report your experience, whether or not you've been a victim or just something that you're seeing. Um, We then publish that scam out there and people like yourself who might not be sure can go online and read what other people are experiencing them. That in itself is a really powerful way to avoid being victimized. Okay, so is there, what kind of stories are we hearing? Uh, Well, some of our common scams often tend to be related around online scams. Uh, You know, especially if we're thinking about how it's about to be one of the busiest shopping seasons of the year. You know, we use our uh, scam tracker reports to help us identify what trends we're seeing. And we just recently published um, a report related to some of those online type scams. And what are they? Can you describe some of them? Oh, like, for example, um, you're you're looking in uh, social media. uh, You see something that looks really appealing to you. It might be, you know, you're interested in in purchasing some sort of hard-to-get item, maybe a purse that you haven't been able to find and it's a great deal, uh, you click on the link and before you know it, you have been scammed because it's not a legitimate company. That's one great example. Um, other are just common scams that we hear about all the time, um, like you know your employment scams where you think you're being offered a great job opportunity. It's not a job opportunity. It's an attempt to get your information or it's an attempt to, to get you to send some sort of payment. 
Um, so, you know, some of the more traditional scams are there, and then obviously some of the, the new twists and sort of trying to get your attention and, um, and, and take your money. Okay, so then what kind of advice should people follow when it comes to that, Simone? Well, I mean, the first piece is, you know, try to, you know, studies have shown that if you're not sure, um, you know, and, and something is telling you that something isn't right, you know, follow your gut. Um, but if, if you don't follow your gut, talk to someone. I mean, even just talking to someone and bouncing it off is a really good way of avoiding being victimized of a scam. Um, you know, that that's sort of um, what studies have shown us. And if you don't have anyone that you think you can rely on, you know, BBB is here. We're here to help you. Uh, there are other organizations like the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre. It's, it's our role to try to help protect people from falling prey and to make sure money is going to ethical businesses, not scam artists. Right. Okay. Are there some popular ones? Are there anything, anything new that you have seen this year that makes you go, boy, these guys are getting better and better at this? It's all, you know, what always interests me is that, you know, they follow trends and then um, with those trends, uh, they just slightly tweak their scam and it catches people's attention. Um, you know, we just issued a release about zombie debt, you know, inflation's going up. Um, you know, when pe- inflation's going up, people might uh, have a harder time paying their bills. And so if they get a call out of the blue and someone's telling them that they owe money, they may think they do when they don't. Uh, you know, that's a, a great example of people just following the news and um, tweaking scams to catch your attention. Oh, lots of hard work, it seems like, goes into those scams, right? Like, I guess it's so hard, though, for us to protect ourselves because I know people who I for sure think, oh, they would never get scammed. And then they end up asking me about, hey, like, should I click on this? Like, it says here I'm getting some money for this and I have to keep reminding. And this just happened the other day. A family member where I say, nobody is ever going to try to give you money via text message. It's just like if it's the government, it's just not going to happen. Absolutely. I mean, uh, we all get them. We all get, uh, you know, texts in our phone telling us that there's some sort of rebate and we just need to click on a link. Um, and your tip is, is 100% correct. I mean, no one's going to give you money that way. Um, why wouldn't they just deposit directly in your bank, especially if you have a trusted relationship with them? Um, you know, I think it's really, really critical uh, that you do take that time. You do explore things that do look like they may be you know, they're catching your attention. And before you respond, uh, it sounds like your friend did the right thing. They talked to you and you said, no, stop. Um, And really that in itself is a really powerful tool. And and that's why Scam Tracker is so helpful uh, because it allows you to go online and see what other people are experiencing and make you think before you click. Okay. And where can people find Scam Tracker? Then go right to our website at bbb.org. And there's some other really great things about Scam Tracker. It allows you to share scams with other people. Um, it allows you to have a, a guided experience when you are reporting your scams so you know what to say. Um, and it's really mobile friendly. So those are all really powerful um, tools with our upgraded um, online mechanism. All right. I will check that out. Simone, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate your time. Simone Lisa Z, president of the Better Business Bureau and CEO, talking about their latest effort to help you protect yourself. And that is called the Scam Tracker. Really easy to find on their website. I just did it. You go to bbb.org, go to their menu, scroll down. You can see it right there, Scam Tracker, boom. And then you can hear about other scams, like maybe somebody tried to take money from you. And you can post your own experience so that you can warn other people about that, which is critical. This is Mornings with Simi. 
Let's talk about our jobs numbers, shall we? As you've been hearing in the news, the Canadian economy added more than 100,000 jobs in October, reversing quite a few of those losses that we had observed in recent months. In fact, that job addition was 10 times more than what many economists had been predicting. It was evened out, though, by the fact that more people were also looking for work in the month of October. So this is the latest labor force survey. It comes out from Statistics Canada once a month. And what it also said is that the unemployment rate so held steady for Canada, 5.2%. So what about British Columbia then? Well, British Columbia stayed pretty much the same too. A little bit of an improvement. We're going to break down the numbers here with the help of Ravi Kailan, our Minister of Jobs, Economic Recovery and Innovation, who joins us now. Good morning. Good morning, Simi. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for being here. So let's talk about the BC rate. Just a slight improvement, right, in our unemployment rate. Yeah, a slight improvement. We gained about 10,000 jobs. And, uh, you know, but overall, we, we held steady. We have already um, one of the lowest unemployment rates in the, in the country. Uh, but what struck me uh, as the most positive uh, from all the stats that were released is that right now we're number one in Canada for employment of women. Uh, 72,000 more women working in the labor market now than before the pandemic. And it's a, it's a sign that uh, the investments in childcare that we're making are starting to, starting to pay off. All right. So where was the weakness, though? If you could look at that and examine BC's numbers, where do you think, OK, we still need to improve? Well, we, we uh, definitely saw a little bit of a dip in the finance uh, sector. We saw a bit of a dip in, uh, in uh, hospitality and tourism. And we saw, obviously, some gains in manufacturing and construction. Uh, and, and so those are positives. You know, there's a lot of economists, uh, and they have a lot of opinions uh, about what's coming. And, uh, you know, for us, what was key part of our Stronger BC Economic Plan was how do we not only recover from the pandemic, but also how do we build resiliency in our uh, economy so that we can take on any challenges that may come in the future. And I think we're well positioned for anything that comes. I know that when we talked to you about these jobs numbers all throughout the pandemic, and I remember we were always closely watching kind of sector by sector. Is there a sector that you still see as needing some assistance or the numbers perhaps fully haven't come back? Well, uh, you know, we look try to pass the numbers a little bit because we know although the uh, numbers are looking, you know, good in the hospitality sector, we still know some small businesses, in particular restaurants, uh, are still uh, facing some challenges. Uh, it's a tight labor market. We hear from employers all the time that, you know, right now it's 4.2%. It's, it's, it's historic, historic lows. And we still hear that, you know, it's tough to find people. Um, we hear from some employers that they're, they're begging <laughs> For, for people to take the employment opportunity. So we still know there's challenges out there. Uh, there always will be challenges. But overall, I think uh, this uh, report continues to show that we're in the right path. Okay. So what industries do you want to single out, though, as doing really well? Uh, well, you know, we, historically, we've been doing really well in, in tech. We saw a little bit of a dip, uh, you know, uh, a couple of companies, Hootsuite and Dapper Labs announcing some yeah. layoffs. But there was also a report that came out yesterday that showed that we saw 44% growth in our tech sector. In fact, they had Vancouver at number one. They had Austin uh, in Texas as number two, and Toronto as number three as the fastest-growing tech uh, region. So uh, although we've seen some drops there, and we know that the, the, the market is uh, putting some challenges on uh, tech companies, we still continue to see strong growth in British Columbia. And what can be done to support that? Uh, well, we are doing a whole host of things. We uh, launched a program uh, to ensure that 
uh, you know, women, uh, people with disabilities, uh, people from indigenous communities get a chance to participate in tech. So we launched this program in partnership with a lot of the big companies to get people their first employment opportunity in tech. Uh, you know, we've created a whole bunch of new seats for training. So really training and giving people the opportunity and the skills to take those employment opportunities is where uh, we've been told that our focus should be, and that's what we're doing right now. You talked about how many businesses out there are saying that they're desperate for employees. What can be done about that, though? How can we help get some of those jobs filled? Well, you know, last year alone, we had 100,000 people migrate to BC, which is the largest since 1962, since we started collecting that data. And, you know, we hear the ads, Alberta is calling. Well, Alberta's trying to call their people back home because we had net 14,000 people come from Alberta last year. This year, the first two quarters of the year, we in fact have more people than we did last year. So we're on a uh, trajectory to, to actually surpass last year's number. So we have people coming, uh, and it's a matter of making sure, uh, working with Canada to ensure that we have the right skill sets to meet the jobs that, that we know are in demand, and also giving our people here the opportunities and skills to take better employment opportunities. And that's where our main focus is as a government. Yeah, did we see the growth like across the province, though, or are there certain areas where employment is just doing better than others? It, it, it's, it's steady uh, across the province. I mean, uh, you know, within the margins uh, in every uh, area, uh, we haven't been able to get too far into the numbers yet because the numbers just got released a couple of hours ago. But I, I would say it was pretty steady. There's some areas like Prince George, which are probably one of the lowest unemployment rates in, in, uh, in the country uh, and, and are doing very well. Um, but so far, it's pretty steady across the province. All right. Well, listen, thank you so much for talking to us about it this morning. Yeah, thanks for having me, Cindy. Stay Appreciate safe. your time. You too. That's Ravi Kalan, Minister of Jobs, Economic Recovery and Innovation, talking about the latest labour force survey released by Statistics Canada this morning. BC doing pretty well. 4.2% is our unemployment rate. Uh, the only one lower across the country is Quebec at 4.1%. So very, very close. And in fact, Canada overall had a pretty good month. The Canadian economy added 108,000 jobs uh, in the month of October. That's impressive, except that more Canadians were also looking for jobs out there too. So that means that the actual rate stayed steady at about 5.2%. But instead, economists are saying that is pretty impressive, the number of jobs that were added. And in BC, it is more of the same, though, very tight labor market out there for employers uh, who are you know, really needing people to fill those jobs. If you're one of them, let's hear your story. Simi at cknw.com.